Well, good morning. As you said, my name is Luke, and I want to confess something to you. I, uh, I shifted like my little intro. Pastors, can I give you a little, little secret? We, we always like to talk about something goofy just to start, just to kind of settle in, break down the nerves, and just connect with you a little bit. And I had something written out, and on the way this morning, I was like, nope, going to X that out. We're changing, we're changing pace. So let me share with you a, a confession that I have. Um, this morning... I was road tripping from my house to here. And uh, anybody have like a morning commute that you have this routine maybe that you go through? Anybody can relate? Uh, maybe some of you just turn the radio off. You like to sit in silence and thank God for the silence, right? Parents, amen? And then, uh, you know, maybe some of you uh, like to listen to sports talk radio or, or you turn on your, your favorite podcast or whatever it is. Well, this morning, I had a little jam session with Jesus. I let my inner Keaton come out. You know what I mean? Like, deep down inside, I want to be a worship pastor so bad, but I can't sing. I can't play a thing, but nobody's in my truck. Nobody knows a thing, right? So I pull up to the red light, and I'm like air guitaring, and I'm like, what? Jesus music. Get over it. It was a good moment for me to worship during this morning road trip that I have. Uh, and I hope you can relate to that. Uh, everybody have that time? Uh, as a family, we were driving and we're trying to get Brindley introduced to, to Jesus music. She won't let me listen to anything else but Jesus music. If I turn on the point 94.1, she said, Daddy, is that song about Jesus? No, it's not. <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> Thanks, Bob Seger, you know. <laughs> it's not at all. So... We just got to listen to Jesus' music, which is great. So the other night, we just had this awesome jam session, and, and Brinley, she yells from the back, we got to raise our hands. I'm like, yes, ma'am, we do. Praising Jesus, right? So moms and dads cherish those times where you can worship Jesus in the car. Um, and also, uh, I, I just I want to thank Kyle for this opportunity. Uh, getting up here is a treat, and, and, and I don't take it lightly. Uh, so thank you, church, for giving me this opportunity. Um, this is week three of road trips. Um, the title of this message is called As We Wait. And our topic today is going to be grief. And so I want to equate grief with the waiting part of a road trip. And y'all can relate. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Those, uh, those, those fun stops, right? Maybe we're, we're on our way down to the beach and we got that favorite restaurant or that gas station the kids love, whatever it is. So when we, when we pull over, when we have those pit stops, a lot of times that's the fun stuff. But what do you do during the time in between the fun stuff, right? You look out the window, you're bored. Back in, back in my day, now some of you are going to be like, mm, that's not that long ago. But I had a, had a CD player, right? And we hit a bump, boom, CD would skip. And you're like, ah, come on, Dad, avoid the potholes, man, Right? Know what I'm talking about some of you look out the window, count cows, depending on where you're going. And then Grant likes to play slug bug. <laughs> right? If you watch the video, you'll get that. So we've got all these, all these things right here that, that, that the wait process. And to be honest with you, that, that waiting part's the worst. It's the worst. So in this road trip of life, this journey that we're on, these, these waiting times, I'm going to equate that to, to grief. And if we're honest with ourselves, if we, we're going to talk about it in just a second, all these areas of grief, uh, that takes up a lot of space in our heart. Grief. So yeah, it's not, it's not the fun exit, right? 
It's not the fun sightseeing adventure. It's the worst. It's the worst. So I want to dive into a few areas. Now, this is not an exhaustive list at all. These are, these are three things in which I feel like take up a lot of heart space in the grief category for you and me as believers. So the first one is the loss of life. That's just what it is, right? When we lose people, our hearts grieve. The loss of life could also be a, maybe a divorce that you're going through. That's, that's a life that you once had, and it's not there. Maybe it's a relationship, a friendship that's severed, and you're grieving that, you're mourning that. We all, we all know this loss of life feeling, but I don't want to limit grief. It's a very complex emotion that many things bring grief to the surface of our life. So I don't just want to leave it at the loss of life. Now, I don't want to uh, undermine those that are dealing with that because that's very serious. But the next thing that causes us to grieve is past sin and its effects. We think about perhaps all the bad that we've done, and it, it hurts, right? Can anybody out there relate? You don't have to raise your hand, but... I think for many people in this room, including myself, when we think back to that former life where Jesus saved us from it, we think back to previous sin and and the wake of destruction that it caused. It can cause our heart to grief in a pretty serious way. I want to read a passage of scripture to you that's going to kind of bring to light this feeling comes from 2 Corinthians 7. We're going to read 8 through 11. Paul says, I'm not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful to you for a little while. Now I am glad I sent it, not because it hurts you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have, so you were not harmed by us in any way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. So many people in this room this morning are grieving their past. They're grieving the sin and its effects on other people. It's very real. Now, I don't want to say that sin is a good thing, but if we're honest with ourselves, we understand that it was the recognition of our sin which brought us to the saving grace of Jesus, right? So sin is a part of life. But what Paul is saying, I want you to understand the sorrow and the grief that this sin has caused you and make you turn from it never again to dip back into that world. So this morning, if you're grieving sin and past mistakes, that's almost a good thing is what Paul is saying. Because that grief that we're experiencing, it's going to keep us from doing that again. That makes sense. So for many people in this room, that's you right now. You're grieving your past sin and its effects. The last thing I want to talk about in the, in the realm of, of grief is that we grieve those that are lost. We grieve those that have not placed their faith in Jesus. 
And for me, honestly, this is that, that recurring grief that you just can't seem to shake, that it's always there. If you are passionately in love with Jesus, you want everyone around you to fall in love with Jesus, right? Moms and dads, I pray for Brindley to come to the saving grace of Jesus more than I pray for her health and safety. We want our kids to come to Jesus. For many of you in here, you want your parents to come to Jesus. You think about your best friend and they're lost and your heart hurts because they haven't found Jesus. This is the one that just hangs on. It doesn't go anywhere. It's constant. No matter the exit, the journey, it's always there. I think when we grieve those that are lost, it should spur us into action to make sure that they find Jesus, right? If we truly understood the state of their lostness, it would make us act quicker and more often to share with them the love of Jesus. Does your heart hurt this morning for people that don't know Jesus? On a much grander spectrum, yeah, we've got the people that we love, our friends, but just does it hurt you that the world is lost? And some of you in here are like, well, I've never really thought of that. Yeah, it does. Luke, thanks, man. Our hearts should mourn and grieve the people who have not accepted Jesus, that have not accepted Jesus. We want nothing more than them to join us on this road trip, right? And these are just the three things that I have kind of brought into focus this morning for you. Now, that's not limited to it. There are many things in life that can bring our hearts sorrow. But what I want you to understand this morning is that grief is a reality. It's there. It's going to happen. And I want to share with you a story a uh, personal one. It goes back up to that, that first category, that loss of life. Last October, me and Ashley experienced a very devastating loss. It was on a Wednesday night. I was here. I was getting ready to teach the middle school students. And uh, she, she calls me. And she says, we, we need to go to the ER. Well, at this point, we haven't told anyone that we are pregnant. And uh, my heart goes to a very bad place. So I find Nick in the door and I say, hey man, I gotta, I gotta go. So get Ashley, we go to the ER. We wait forever, right? Your mind's just going through every scenario. And we finally see a doctor and they do an ultrasound. They found a heartbeat, which is the first time we saw the heartbeat, which is exciting, right? We were fearing the worst, but we got good news. And deep down, I think I, I knew kind of what was happening. And I wanted to be strong for Ashley and encourage her and, and just pray through it. Say, God's gracious, it's, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Well, the following Sunday, we get through church. We go home, and she's in a lot of pain. And the urgent care at our clinic's not open on Sunday. And I'm thinking to myself, the ER really can't help us right now. There's nothing that's going on that's, that they're going to be able to stop. So first thing Monday morning, call my mom. She watches Brindley. 
throw Ashley in the car, and at that moment, my wife is in active labor. She's in active labor. I can't drive fast enough. I can't do anything to help her. We pull up at the front door and she's passing out from the pain. We get her a wheelchair, we take her back to urgent care room where they finally say the words you are experiencing a miscarriage. You know, for this child we have prayed kind of scenario. I mean, I was already kissing the tummy praying for the baby, right? And it's one of those things where, you know, you, you know that's a possibility when you, when you decide to start a family. But so, it's so far in the back of your mind. You're not even processing it as a guy. You're just you're not even thinking about it. So there we were in this urgent care room. Nurses and doctors and things were happening. I was just sitting there going, what in the world? How did we get here? Ever felt like that? Situations in life, you're like, how did we get here? At the end of those labor pains, there was going to be no joy for my wife or me. It's not. It's not. We're sitting there. I'm thinking to myself. I've walked into many hospital rooms, sat in a lot of waiting rooms, attempting to help people. It's like my wife don't need a pastor right now. She needs a husband. Just grabbed her by the hand, and I said, "You know what?" Something good is going to come from this. It's got to. It's got to. At that particular moment, our lives slowed way down. Pain set in, and it hurt like crazy. But I did not want to lose focus. I'm not saying that we're superhuman or that we got it all figured out. But I did not want to lose focus. Grief is a very heavy thing. And if we're, we're honest with ourselves, at any given moment, we're, we're going to deal with at least one of these three things. It's just, it's a reality. It's there. It's going to happen. When I think about the story of, of me and Ashley last October, I listened to a sermon this past week from, from Levi Lusco after he had uh, held his four-year-old daughter in his hands and watched her die. As he's preaching a sermon, he said, you know what, I didn't need a reason. I just needed reassurance. You see, a lot of times in grief, the first thing we do is we want to cry out, why, God, give me a reason, give me an answer. I want to know, why am I dealing with this? He said, I didn't need a reason. I just needed reassurance. You see, I, in, that, in that hospital room, I was thinking to myself, I have preached this James sermon before. I know. I know the reason. I don't have to wonder, God, are you going to make this known to me 20 years from now why this happened? No. I know the reason. Let's read James chapter 1. 
2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You see, I didn't need a reason in that room. I didn't need a reason. I knew the reason. So maybe for you this morning, you're out there and this is just striking a chord with you. Maybe you've been praying to God every night, God, give me a reason. Why is my heart hurt? Why did I have to go through that? What is the purpose of this? You've been there? James lays out a beautiful reason for our pain and our sorrow and those trials that we experience in life. It's to make you better. It's to make you mature, lacking nothing. So me and Ashley, we knew the reason. We knew the reason. We just needed to know that God was there in the midst of it. Matthew 5, 4, God blesses those who mourn, they will be comforted. God blesses those who mourn, they will be comforted. We knew he was there. The pain was very real. There's no erasing it. There's no making it better. The next morning it still hurt. But we didn't have to wonder. I didn't have to cry out, shake my fist at God. Why? I knew the reason. So maybe for you, like, I don't have to go any further. That just totally clicked and made sense to you right then and there. Okay, God, I, I got it. I, I, don't, I don't have to, to, to wonder why this happened. Whatever type of grief you're experiencing, you don't have to wonder why it happened. God's doing something in you. A lot of times, grief, we want to grieve those that we lost, or we want to grieve that past sin, or we want to, to uh, grieve those that don't know Jesus. And, and a lot of times, we put that grief on the situation, when a lot of times, we need to evaluate ourselves. What's God doing in me through this? What does he want to do in me? Well, James says he wants to make you mature, perfect, lacking, Nothing. So this morning, um, I know it's heavy, heavy topic. A lot of you probably went to a dark place, and I'm sorry for that. But grief is a reality of this road trip that we're on. So I want to pull some biblical truths, some biblical principles to kind of help us navigate the grief in our life. We're going to look at James chapter 5 to do that. James chapter 5, verse 7 through 11. Let's read it. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. Verse 10. For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, Look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure suffering, who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. 
So the first point, I know we've already kind of been through some points, but the first point of kind of navigating and, and handling grief in our life, whatever category it is, is that we must wait patiently on the Lord. And that is tough to do, is it not? So we got this road trip analogy, this illustration. We start it and then we finish it. At the end of our journey, we get to go home to Jesus, right? So we know that that end game is good. We know that victory has been won, right? That regardless of how your day is shaping up, good, bad, ugly, that that day is going to be a good day, right? So we've got highs and we've got lows on this journey. Typically those lows are when your heart is sorrowful and you're grieving. So if you're in that phase, if you're in that state, you're not on the exit of happiness, but right now you're in that as we wait phase. You can wait patiently for you know that the coming of the Lord is near. And that his goodness and mercy and his tenderness is there with you in the journey. You're not alone. Sometimes we just have to wait. Ain't that the worst? Sometimes we have to wait on the Lord. I don't want to undermine your grief. Because it's serious. But sometimes we just have to wait for the Lord. And I know it hurts. I know it hurts. But we have to focus on the things that are above. This next point, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult one. I want to I help us navigate it. It says, uh, we must maintain an attitude of faithfulness and obedience. So during heartache and loss, perhaps those two words are the last thing that we really want to think about or focus on. But if you know the reason is that God is making us better, it'll help us to have a godly perspective during that phase of grief. You see, the last thing that I want is my grief or my heartache or my sorrow is to cripple me. You see, that's when it goes from a good God thing to something that Satan uses to trip us up. You see, if in the midst of your grief, you lose sight of, of being faithful to the Lord and his word and, and you choose not to be obedient and fulfilling your obligations as a Christian, you see, Satan's one. He's one. We don't want that in the midst of trials and grief, right? We know the reason. It's to make us mature, lacking nothing. So maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you've experienced something traumatic. And it has kind of rendered you useless in a, in a nice way. I don't know how to say that without saying, saying it mean. But maybe, you, maybe you've, you've gone something traumatic and it's just took your legs right out from under you. And you don't know how to move, you don't know how to operate, you don't know how to focus. That's when I think Satan has got you where he wants you. In the, midst, uh, in the midst of that grief, at the deepest, darkest moment, you have a choice. To let Satan use it to keep you motionless, or you can let God use it to make you better. 
No matter where our minds go, no matter how we're focused on the pain of the grief, we have to remain faithful. We have to remain obedient to God and what he's called us to do. You cannot shut down. You cannot shut down. And that's so hard, is it not? When those that were coming to comfort Job saw the condition that he was in, they, they ripped off their garments and they mourned for six days. They said, hey, he's in so much pain, I can't even talk to him right now. So understand, sometimes you're at that phase where it's just tough to do anything. But you have to remain obedient and faithful to what God has called you to do. Otherwise, Satan's going to use it for his benefit. We must experience grief to demonstrate our faith. That's the last point. We must experience grief to demonstrate our faith. Now, isn't that crazy? Right? You see, if, if following Jesus, if, ha- if having faith was, was all about making good days ahead, well, people would follow Jesus just to make sure their life is good. Having faith in Jesus is not just making sure your life is good. Because we know that bad things are going to happen. And so for some of you, you may be sitting in a good spot right now. But church, let me warn you, if it's not knocking on your door, it's around the corner. It's coming. It's coming. Grief, heartache, sorrow, trials. It's there. It's coming. It's coming at you quick. So we can either take the situations that life throws at us and brush them off or allow Satan to use them to to trip us up to cripple us or we can allow it to be an opportunity for us to demonstrate our faith. Y'all remember how uh, Job's wife said to him, would you just curse God and die, right? Remember her saying that? Y'all remember his response? Remember his response? He said, we accept all the good stuff that comes from God. Why can't we accept the bad? That's what he said in response to his wife. His perspective in the midst of what he was dealing with was incredible. He said, yeah, we we, we accept the good from God, but how come we can't accept the bad? The main idea for today, it's on the back, is that God uses our grief for our good. And that's kind of a hard thing to to wrap your mind around, is it not? It's tough. God uses our grief for our good. Hopefully this morning you, you learned how to interject that godly perspective into whatever that trial is. God wants to make you mature and perfect, lacking nothing in each of those categories. So as you're going through it, as you're in the middle of it, as we're on this journey, he's there and he's using it to make you better. He's using it to make you better. I hope God continues to use all of life's scenarios to make me better. Romans 8, 28, I want to leave you with scripture, not my words. 
And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. It's all good, as they say, right? Whether it seems that way or not. Leave you with some next steps. Maybe, maybe for you today, you need to fully understand that grief points to Jesus. Maybe you've never thought about it that way. You just figured that grief was a devastating part of life and it's something that you had to get through. You don't have to get, just get through it. God can use it. And then maybe there are some of you that are dealing with some of, the, some of life's darkest moments all by yourself. And this morning you need to realize that you need to bring people alongside you in that phase of grief. Maybe some of those are, are grieving and nobody has a clue about it. And you feel alone. So maybe this morning you need to realize, you know what, I, I need to bring somebody in this journey along this road trip with me. Share one another's burdens. To help you out. To help you out. God is good. We know what the end brings, and that is victory. And that church gives us hope, whatever it is that we're dealing with. Let's pray. God, we love you, and we're so thankful for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. Thank you for your word, the instruction that it, that it gives, the encouragement that it brings to our life. We thank you for that. God, I pray this morning that if there are people out here that are hurting, that their hearts are troubled, their hearts are sorrowful. God, that you let them know that you're there, that you will comfort them. And they don't have to wonder what that reason is, for we know the reason, and that's to make us better. God, thank you for Jesus, and thank you for the cross. In his name we pray, amen.